coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Fire in the Wall, a look at the critical RCE flaw in Fortinet SSL VPN devices. Next up, No Patch, No Cry, discussing Brian Krebs' article regarding Barracuda's decision to eradicate its email security gateway devices rather than applying software updates. And our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 158, recorded on June 15th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Callie. Patch me if you can, Fencil. With me is co-host Taylor, Secure Socket to me, Wilkes Pierce, and last but not least, Tim, this is fine, Helming. Welcome, everybody. Hey. Just sitting here with my coffee mug in the <laughs> inferno. All the appliances behind you are on fire. <laughs> I'm smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Secure Socket to me is pretty great, though. That is well really, done, Taylor. I'm always jealous when I don't think of things like that. <laughs> just sitting over here, just stewing in my envy. <laughs> Are you going to be able to carry on as this week's host? No. <laughs> oh, well, this has been the shortest episode of Breaking Madness. That's about all we have for this week. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. That's my, that's my grievance. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm, I, uh, I'm, uh, recycling a, a a pun it was an that was an episode name it was a but i was just like ah, i can't think of patch anything me if, if you can mm-hmm. well it was very appropriate good. though i yeah. know it's like when it's super appropriate i'm like i gotta i gotta reduce reuse recycle you know <laughs> i i don't know how many of our listeners have perfect memories probably tom hanks does so go easy on us tom uh, but yeah, the letters he writes general, are very detailed. <laughs> I don't think too many folks are going to remember that you might have used that before. Okay, so okay. I think you're fine. Good. So we're uh, we're doing this a little differently. We're recording a little earlier than we normally do, but uh, it'll still come out on the same day that people are expecting it. So that's good. Uh, why don't we uh, why don't we get started, gang? Seems like a good plan. Yeah, yeah. We should we should talk about some security. And uh, if we get off on tangents like we like we do, that'll be fine. That doesn't happen. Yeah, (laughs) it doesn't happen. No tangents for me this week. I am laser focused. Good, good. I won't bring up gremlins, but three or four times. I still haven't seen that. Is that sharks with laser focused? (laughs) (laughs) Tim, have you you saw part of Mean Girls? Yeah, I've, Did I'm you about halfway it? through. No, nah, oh. about halfway through. I saw it on a plane, so you know now I have to go figure out where I can actually find it and finish <laughs> it up. Well, like you know, but I, I've you know now I understand. On Wednesdays we wear pink. Like I get it. That one. Get it. Yep. Got we, that reference. Good. I mean, we. I mean, we discussed it a little off, uh, off mic, but the library. Here's my plug for the public library system. Uh. I'm sure you could rent it there if it's not on streaming. You know, you that's a really that good point. For guidance. That's a really you know? good. 
You know, yeah, that could have been our guidance. Uh, <laughs> as if public libraries didn't already have enough great stuff about, I mean, I think plugging public libraries is never a waste of time. Go yeah. to your public library, folks. There's my guidance. Yep. I don't there know if it's everybody's library or just mine, but I found out I have $10 of free printing every week. Like and Whoa. sheets, it's like ten cents a sheet. Oh, so here come so, the manifestos. So <laughs> <laughs> seriously, like every every little fledgling band is like printing up their posters to put out on the telephone poles. Well, well, my buddy wrote like a short a short book. It's about a hundred pages, and I'm I'm reading it before it's published. And I was just like, oh, I'm gonna have to take it to Office Max. And they're going to charge me an arm and a leg to print that. And then I went to the library. I'm like, maybe it's cheaper here. I printed it out for free. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Yay. I'm like, look, at, I, I can also scan things there. I'm just, I'm a, t yeah. I don't, usually the third host hasn't been playing gold guidance and grievances, but I feel like I should play because I no. like, wow, what gold. And then I, you there know, is no reason you can't play along. I, Absolutely. I what, but it's like, as, as I get more familiar, you know, with the industry, like maybe like I'll have more industry things to be, you know, have a grievance about or have gold about but yeah the library is fantastic i don't know if that's like a terrible business model that i have ten dollars wait the, the the library the business model of the library well it's it's you know library.org not library.com so it's fine i know i was just like well i mean like i guess i am paying for it in my taxes um yes so anywho uh, we should talk about these articles. Uh, the first one that we're going to talk about is Fire in the Wall, which is, uh, you know, relating to Fortinet, um, which released new Fort. And correct, how, I, I'm so worried I'm going to botch the pronunciation of this. Fortigate? Fortigate. Oh, yep. Everything is 40 everything. Forty something. They run yep. 40 OS. It's Fortigate. You know, yep. they, they, they drink Forta coffee. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Me, I was going to say, you know, they, they go to the Forta restroom in their headquarters. It's everything is Forta so-and-so. Like, if you want to get a heads up on what they're going to do, like just have domain monitoring for new registrations uh, or name server monitoring for Fortit dash whatever and... You know, you'll probably find out early what they've got up their sleeves. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, if you uh, work there, you can only drive a Forda Explorer. <laughs> lordy, lordy. Talking about 40 net. 40 <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. There we go. Okay, so the we're talking about new Fortigate firmware updates that <clears throat> fix an undisclosed critical pre-authentication Remote code execution vulnerability in SSL. Easy for VPN. you to say. I know. <laughs> I get. I wrote this. <laughs> I gave myself the hardest thing to read in SSL VPN devices tracked as CVE twenty twenty three two seven nine nine seven. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Phew. I did it. I made all right, and and with that, Breaking Badness has concluded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, so um, 
Well, we just talked about how everything with Fortnite is is for, 40 everywhere, 40 flirty and thriving for uh, any, uh, I don't know if they're a fan. I, I Sometimes I worry about like my references because I'm like, how many um, 13 going on 30 fans are there within InfoSec? You know, I think it's a, it's not zero, right? Okay. <laughs> like, there's got to be folks out there that, look, I mean, Mean Girls, classic. 13 going on 30? Classic. Uh, classic. For me. Is that, a, is that a Jennifer Garner joint? It is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, what's There's the dozens one? of us. There's, okay. I, there was like a reference on, that was going around on Twitter with, it's the move it ransomware, right? Mm-hmm. No, nah, well, move it is the is the uh, where the vulnerability would lie. Move okay, it is, is, yeah. Well, the point is, <laughs> like right away, I'm like, I like to move it, move it, mm-hmm. and several days go by and nobody has made that joke, and then Alan Liska comes out of the woodwork and and goes, you know, I'm really disappointed in this community. You know, this has been, you know, in the news for several days and nobody has made this reference. And he's like, the industry needs to do better. And I'm just over <laughs> there kicking myself because I'm like, I thought of it. And then I was like, oh, what are the chances that, you know, people in this industry are going to be Madagascar fans? And I'm just like, oh, I, I bet there are a lot of them. Oh, yeah, come why on. didn't we, why well, didn't we all think of that? Well, now I know. And now I'm just so I told him, like, I thought of it and I was worried that people would be like, that was really lame, Callie. No, Callie, you know why you didn't post it, Callie? Why? Because you like to move it, move it. You don't love to move it, move it, you know? (laughs) That's That's why. (laughs) Well, now I'm just going to I'm just going to, you know, trust my instincts. And Alan, like I after I told him that he's like, Kelsey's got your back. Like if anybody <laughs> gives you any sort of a problem, it's going to be OK. So shout out to Alan Liska. Always. Always. Uh, but yeah, back back to the task at hand. <laughs> Let's, we said no tangents. We said no tangents and and we're doing terribly at it so far. Uh, but but I, I like that for us. Um, <laughs> let's let's other than Fortnite putting 40 in front of everything. What, yeah. what else can you tell us about Fortnite? Who who are they for for those who might not be familiar? Boy, yeah, I you know, folks will have almost certainly seen uh Fortnite. They've been around since 2000, so they're 23 years old. Uh I think not too far from Domain Tools. So, uh, you know, legacy long long time uh presence in the infosec space and Fortigate is their firewall product that, you know, kind of put them on the map. Uh, and so that's, uh, kind of where this story begins is, Hey, we, we've been around for a very long time and we have a firewall product that's also been around for a very long time. And their big claim to fame, uh, was that they, um, developed a, their own Silicon, um, and ASIC application specific integrated circuit, which they call, guess what? 40 ASIC. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And designed to accelerate um, the inspection of traffic and whatnot. So they, they've always had a big theme around speed because they, they built this custom silicon supposed to be super fast. 
They go for distance. They go for speed. <laughs> Look, they're here to win. Uh, (laughs) So where our story starts is actually with a, for this particular vulnerability, a uh, a French uh, red team uh, assessment. So there was a, uh, uh, this company is called Lexfo. And so you can find it over on blog.lexfo.fr, all the details of this particular little bug that they were, that they uncovered. Uh, but they were poking around on the web interface that is tied to the 48 VPN client. Gotcha. So yeah. um, within, like, so as we're talking about this this vulnerability, you know, what kind of damage can it do if if it's left unchecked? Yeah, well, what's interesting is they found that basically you can hit this web interface that if it's turned on, uh, you can hit it with an HTTP parameter, uh, that does some kind of custom, uh, some fun math, <laughs> uh, where it's expecting some certain values. You can feed it things and eventually break your way out of, um, the, that interface and gain access to, uh, to the device. So it's, uh, a real problem because it, when they say like, Hey, it doesn't require authentication. It just means you're just passing parameters directly into this thing. And, because of some bugs in the memory, the way that it handles memory allocation, it you know you can kind of have it put stuff where you want it to, and then eventually start uh, you know running your own code. I don't have to do what you want it to do. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so in terms of authentication, so the article had mentioned you know it's it's going to interfere via VPN even if uh, multi-factor authentication. Authentication is activated. So, yeah. are there other examples of this in the wild where MFA isn't the safety net that we thought it would be? Certainly, anytime you can just bypass bypass that <laughs> that, uh, that uh, entrance and go and do something like this, that then yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be your problem there. You know, you also see uh, where you know even if. MFA is out there, folks can get fished for it. So it's still a, a, still a tricky problem to deal with. So this isn't necessarily like a, a new type of approach. No, in fact, they had some similar issues uh, kind of late last year on some vulnerabilities uh, in, in Fortigate as well. Uh, but, th- you know, this one is just like a giant blinking red on the dashboard. Um, you know, they, the research folks did responsible disclosure with the Forta, the Fortinet team, and they you know, released patches for all of these devices that, you know, have got to be applied. I think that, uh, you know, someone was running a, a either a Shodan or a census scan. They found uh, nearly half a million vulnerable devices just hanging out there so you know hopefully that number goes down and the number of honeypots out there for this stuff uh, you know looking for folks trying to break in with it uh goes up but yeah uh you know uh, certainly uh a like in this case being able to just bypass all the authentication on the vpn uh you know that, that's a that's a real problem absolutely um so fortinet is also saying that this is currently not linked to the Volt Typhoon campaign. Um, is there anything um, you can share with our listeners about, you know, what, you know, even though it doesn't relate, what, what is yeah. that campaign? So Volt, Volt Typhoon, that's a Microsoft naming convention, right? So they run the, the weather pattern. So uh, for the adversaries, so like the, the new, 
uh, Russia-oriented actor group that they named yesterday was like Cadet Blizzard, right? So Volt Typhoon uh, it was some reporting that they published kind of late last month around uh, an actor group that is kind of hanging around, just gaining persistence in a lot of networks. And they discovered some of the C2 uh, communications for the what they're calling Volt Typhoon and some of the implants for it. So uh, I think some of the issues there was the, the initial access for some of that stuff was a, a big question mark. It could be Fortinet is just saying like, hey, we haven't seen the overlap between that campaign. Uh, but Fortinet did say that there were actor that this exploit was had been observed in the wild. So that's what makes this even more of a exigent situation for folks who have these devices, because it is not a, um, you know, a, we, we can, we have a, a, a GIF of someone popping calculator or anything. It is like, Hey, we have seen this in, in the customer base and everyone's got to patch this right now, or it's going to be a much larger problem. Would you say those actors are hanging out in the Volt Typhoon Lagoon? Yes. Yes. Good. I think that's where they want to be. And that's how you achieve persistence. Because I think there's a spot in the Volt Typhoon Lagoon where you're supposed to swirl around and then go down through the tube out into the large pool. But if you just keep swirling around at the top, you can just hang around. If they start calling it that, <laughs> I swear, I need, I need credit. <laughs> <laughs> the Volt Typhoon Lagoon. Pretty good. Maybe yeah. good. No. <laughs> so yeah, they're saying like, hey, we haven't seen this tied to that. Um, but like that's their observation point and this stuff gets pretty broad pretty quick. Okay, excellent. So this are, this article mentions that this isn't connected to Volt Typhoon based on indicators of compromise. Um, do we know what the indicators of compromise they're looking at, or is that well, the, the Volt Typhoon stuff is a little separate? But it, okay. and there they're looking at the C two communication, um, like that's the IOCs that they published were related to that. Gotcha. Thanks, yeah. Tay. Yeah. All right. Finally. Um, you know, we like to see some mitigations. I uh, love to see mitigations. Lo- I love mitigations. <laughs> <laughs> what are the recommendations uh, for those who are affected? Uh, it's like, you know, shut the service off and patch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going uh, to be a little different than the next article we talk about. <laughs> yeah, a little different. But they, there was a patch right away. Like, like I mentioned, you know, there was a responsible disclosure from the, uh, you know, the testing group that found this hole. And they, and they ended up plugging a few things at the same time. So, um, you know, again, the, I think that they, they got the urgency of it. They saw that it had been exploded in the wild and put the patches out um, you know, in conjunction with the research. So. Excellent. Okay. So based on, you know, you know, what we've been talking about, like, let's do our hoodie rating. And if you're a new listener and you're not familiar with our hoodie rating, uh, after we talk about our articles uh we like to give a one to ten hoodie rating uh hoodie being the stereotypical hacker in a hoodie image if you will so 10 is the worst it's absolutely apocalyptic and and one is it's not so bad i'm just putting on a hoodie because it's a it's a crisp day Uh, (laughs) let's start with tim uh based on uh you know everything that you've heard and you've perhaps read on your own, uh, what, what kind of hoodie rating would you be giving this particular uh, campaign? Well, first of all, I'll just ask you, you know what I heard? What? Sheep. You know what I saw? What? Wood. 
Um, I give this, I actually, this might seem low. I'm going to give it a three. Uh, the vulnerability itself unpatched is a big deal. And for certain kinds of vulnerabilities, you can mitigate those by putting the thing behind some other kind of firewall or, or whatnot. But of course, with a VPN concentrator, you have to have that interface exposed to the world. That's how VPN concentrators work. So <laughs> uh, that's a that's a big deal. But, um, but they patched it pretty promptly. The patch is out there. The word is out there. So I think it was like, it was a higher hoodie rating for a short time, and now it's lower. So I, I would say it's three. Clearly, your mileage may vary if you have one of these unpatched devices sitting out there and uh, it gets exploited. That's going to be a lot more hoodies for you. But on the average, three. Cool. Sounds good. How about you, Tay? Ooh, I'm a little higher than you. Oh. I mean, just, you know, the fact that they came out today and like, hey, there's like still 500,000 devices out here that <laughs> where this vulnerability exists, um, you know, that tells me that the that message is not getting through to everybody to patch. Um, yeah. I'm going to put on, uh, I'm going to put on six hoodies and I'm going to take a seventh hoodie. Right. And I'm going to cut, um, like the, like just the, the ends of the sleeves off. So it's still mostly hoodie, but I've just got, you know, I can see my watch a little easier. So we're going like three quarter length sleeves. Yeah. So like (laughs) Capri sleeves, uh, like, um, yeah, six six point um, eight three. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about you know if if there's still five hundred thousand devices? You know, yeah, five hundred thousand. Yeah, I I was probably too low. Um, I missed that part. That's okay. I'm, you can you I'm, can go. I'll back. still probably not go quite as high as Taylor's, but uh, oh gosh, put me down for. For five hoodies now, halfway yeah. to the end of the world. Okay. I've seen the video of the exploit in action. I'm just, you know, it's, <laughs> okay. no, it's, uh, I definitely, well, we should put the post up somewhere. It's a great, a great um, walkthrough of the Vuln and how they found it. And- By the way, uh, Callie, you know, to, to make it quicker to say these things that you, you spelled out very articulately at the beginning of this article, pre-auth RCE, whenever yeah. you see pre-auth RCE, that's, very attention getting, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're bypassing an FA right there. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right, I can do that. All right. Well, uh, why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll come back uh, and talk about our second article of the episode. So please stay tuned for more Breaking Badness. Hello, audience. Thanks for being here. We'll get you right back to the show, but in the meantime, we've got a small favor to ask. While you're relaxing in that hammock or kicking back on that long flight or doing whatever you do while you listen to podcasts, would you consider taking a quick moment and leaving us a rating on your favorite podcast platform? It helps us get the 10 chocolate chip goodie word out about Breaking Badness. And hey, if you like it, maybe your friends will too. So take just another moment and tell a friend about the show. Thanks in advance. And now let's dive back into the cyber mayhem.
All right, and we're back, and we are going to talk about uh, No Patch, No Cry with Mr. Tim Helming. Uh, we're going to dive into Brian Krebs article on Barracuda's plea to replace affected hardware rather than patching it. So like I like I alluded to uh, in our last article, this this one's going to be a little different. There is no patch. You know, I got to tell you, I, I'm a Bob Marley fan, but I'm not so sure there's no cry in this case. <laughs> um, you're probably right. <laughs> it's the I'm running out of puns. <laughs> Kelsey, airdrop some puns in. Quick. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to have to do um, for the time being. And if uh, we'll, we'll do better, I think, you know, just um, our our short week, uh, because we are observing Juneteenth on Monday when we normally record. That's uh, I'm like, ah. I got to put this together. So uh, apologies if this pun, they're not all going to be winners, but I'm doing, I'm doing my best. Uh, but yeah, th- I, this is an interesting article. Uh, I don't think I've come across anything like this before. So, uh, I, I you know, in my, in my shorter time uh, in the industry, um, but Brian Krebs starts this, extremely engaging opening to his article that it is not often that a zero day vulnerability causes a network security vendor to urge customers to actually physically remove an entire line of effective hard of affected hardware. Um, Tim, are there any other instances you can think of, or is this just completely unprecedented? Yeah, I think the, it's not often that this happens is kind of a, a, understatement for a fact. Uh, I cannot think of another example. Um, We've seen severe vulnerabilities in security appliances as well as, you know, cloud virtual appliances and cloud apps and stuff, but those have been patchable. And then even, you know, where that becomes more extreme is where the vulnerability is discovered in something that's way past its end of life. And you'll see companies sometimes break their end of life policy in order to issue a patch because it's so severe that they they won't in good conscience say well just throw that thing away it's ancient they will patch it um so uh, i have never seen anything like this where they say yeah just just remove it i mean it's it's kind of like a product recall right for a, a car or something like that but even then it's not the, the car recalls are not usually stop driving your car immediately and step away from it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's, bring it, it in and get the thing fixed and we won't charge you for it. Right. It's never um, like, so this uh, is, we're going to give you a new car. No, just bring your, right. bring your existing car. in. That's right. And if you, if you look up the history of these kinds of situations where you had a really severe vulnerability in it it's not unprecedented for it to happen to devices but where you've seen stuff like that in the past tends to be maybe things like medical devices and so forth not security appliances i don't believe that there's ever been a uh, a call for ripping out um security appliances wholesale like this except by competitors of those other companies who would love to have you rip it out and put their own one in instead <laughs> yeah and and uh, just as we're talking, um, this occurred to me. So it's not in our our outline show notes, Tim. But what's the 
like how much time between discovering, you know, this particular issue and and saying, you know, kill it, kill it with fire. Uh <laughs> it like like how like what's the time to make that decision that, you know, a patch is not going to do this? Like you have to get rid of it physically. Well, do you mean from the for Barracuda? In other words, how yeah, fast yeah. did they figure it out? Well, the timeline looks like discovery was around May 22nd, May 23rd of this year. And then the advisory they put out that recommended ripping these appliances out was June 6th. So you can bet that during that period of time, they had people working 24-7 to try to figure out a way to patch this. And at some point in that process, they realized it's not going to happen. We don't know how to do this. And, you know, if they took another unknown amount of time, could they have come up with a way to patch it conceivably? But I think somebody had to make a risk benefit decision and say, you know what, we got to cut our losses here and issue this recall order instead of waiting an indefinite longer period of time to see if we can figure out how to patch it. Gotcha. That that makes sense. Um, so and so you had mentioned the company name Barracuda. Um, for everyone's edification, um, can you give a brief a brief background of who they are? Yeah, they're kind of an interesting company. So, you know, folks who've been around the block um for a while in this industry might recall that back in the this was late late 90s or early 2000s, right around the dot-com bubble years, they actually had radio ads for the Barracuda Spam Firewall. And uh, that was an unusual move. Uh, It was an interesting approach to generating awareness and demand or whatnot, hitting a consumer mass audience for what really amounts to a B2B type of sale. But um, they did that. And they also, I don't know if you remember, but they, they had giant ads up in airports everywhere. So it seemed like you couldn't fly somewhere, at least in the States, without seeing a couple of Barracuda billboards uh, in the airport. Um, so they did that. They got the word out. And they, you know, those those campaigns, I think, were effective for them. I They weren't the first anti-spam product that was out there, but absolutely, they're one of the most enduring, one of the best known of those. So these are appliances that sit right at the network edge, and they proxy the SMTP traffic uh, on its way to your mail servers. And so, you know, and then this box has a rule set in it that uh, applies different kinds of filters and heuristics and stuff to figure out what's spam, what's not. Do we keep the message? Do we drop the message? Do we quarantine it? Do we strip the attachments, etc.? So it does all the things that you want to have uh, email filtering do. And it's in appliance form. I they they may have. I believe they have a virtual appliance offering, but this specifically is for the physical appliances. Um, but yeah, they they've been around for a long time in the industry, and you know they've been very successful. Gotcha. Thanks, Tim. Um, so the attackers um, had been exploiting the vulnerability since October of 2022. Was so was there just a misstep on their part when when they were finally discovered in May of this year? Yeah, so uh, that's really a, an interesting question, and I don't think we—I don't think the details are known. I, I haven't seen it anywhere in what I've read about this about specifically how Barracuda discovered the malicious activity that was going on. Um, but I can say that one of the things they did was, like, as soon as they figured this out, they basically reached out to Mandy and must have been almost immediately, which is a great call. Um, 
we see this a lot and it comes up pretty often in stories that we talk about because we tend to talk about big stories. When something serious happens, uh, a lot of companies have Mandiant, you know, on speed dial basically. Um, and, uh, and there is, if you follow the links out of the article from Brian Krebs and go to the Barracuda link, uh, in the Barracuda link, they then link to the, um, Mandiant article about this and it's a great write-up. So, so they definitely did the right thing, but I don't know right now. We don't really know the technical specifics of how they discovered the activity initially. It may have been a misstep on the part of the attacker, but I don't know if that's true. Well, we will stay tuned for that. Uh, but um, so like, like we had mentioned up top, the um, email security gateway or ESG appliance, uh, the recommendation is for it to be replaced. But Barracuda is saying no other products were impacted but with such a drastic measure of physically removing hardware, how can people still trust their other solutions aren't impacted? Yeah, I think it'd be natural to have that fear and think this is such a severe thing that how can you be really sure that there aren't other impacts that you just haven't discovered yet? And of course, I guess it's conceivable that there could be, but there are a couple of things here that to me say, this is probably, it's probably fairly safe to, uh, to assume or sort of take their word for this. For one thing, clearly what Barracuda is not doing here, uh, to their great credit, is they're not hiding anything. They're being very transparent about what's going on. And it's something that gives them potentially a big black eye. But some of that black eye is really mitigated a bit from a, at least from a doing the right thing perspective in that they are so transparent about what's going on here. And so um, I don't I don't think there's other vulnerabilities that they are keeping covered up in any other appliances or anything like that. It is possible that there's something they haven't discovered yet, but, um, you know, they know what to look for at this point. And so we'll have to wait and see if they issue any further guidance. But right now, I wouldn't feel super uncomfortable about that. Okay, yeah, good to know. Uh, Nicholas Weaver, uh, a researcher at the International Computer Science Institute, is cited um, in this piece stating that this is not a ransomware actor, it's a state actor. And I was wondering if you can explain um, a bit why that might be. Sure. And I, I think that uh, assessment makes a ton of sense. So, and by the way, if you look at the Mandiant report, I mean, they they have done some attribution. Um, they are saying that they believe that this has been um, uh, committed by a activity group they track as UNC4841, which is a China-linked espionage group. Um, and so... Not the University uh, of North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. One of these University <laughs> of North Carolina groups. <laughs> Tar Heels. Those damn Tar Heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they've got a big hacking program there. People don't realize it. No, um, so so it is. You know, there's there is evidence here, um, pretty clearly that it's a state actor. And um, what uh, Nicholas Weaver said um, was a good rationale for reaching that conclusion. You know, and that may have been even before Mandiant kind of did their work that he made this assessment. But there's a huge amount of skill 
involved in successfully pulling off an attack like this. I mean, remember, this is, to my knowledge, and I've been around the block here a few times, that I, I don't think we've seen this uh, degree of basically destructive firmware altering in a physical appliance, uh, security appliance in the past. So that's not commodity type stuff. That's somebody that's really well-resourced, got a lot of... Um, a lot of capability and time and so forth. But the other thing is that if you contrast this with a ransomware actor, for example, the whole tradecraft is different, right? So if you're if you're doing ransomware, you want to get in there into the network, steal the data as quickly as you can, lock up those machines. Hopefully for you, if you're the ransomware actor, get your payment and then you move on. So if you're in that business, persistence is not as big a deal. You just need enough persistence to get the data you're looking for and lock up the machines, but you don't have to be sitting there, you know, for months potentially. So if you think about an espionage motivated actor, their objectives are very different. Um, and stealthy persistence is very, very high on that list. So, so I think that was a good assessment. Thanks, Tim. I think my final question, um, before we head into gold guidance and grievances is, um, so when a company uh, announces something like this, that they want you to, or the recommendation is to completely eradicate um, physical hardware rather than patching, is that company responsible for providing new hardware? Or, or I guess, how are organizations prepared for, for pivots like these? Yeah, so there are two ways that I can answer this. First in my normal voice, and then in a high screechy sort. No, I stole that from Monty Python. But um, <laughs> No, my two ways of answering this are, you know, there's what they're legally required to do according to their warranty or, or EULA and user license agreement statements. And then there's what they're required to do in order to maintain some health as a business and integrity. So, you know, as far as these EULAs, I know that everybody we're talking to reads all of their license agreements and warranties and stuff word for word extensively. It's a great practice. Um, yeah, no, and I haven't read Barracudas for sure. Um, but there is so much language in these EULAs that basically says, you know, there's there's no guarantee that the thing is really going to do what it says on the tin as our British friends like to say, um, you know, I, I used to have had a former colleague that used to joke, but she was only semi joking that EULAs all but say that the product that, you know, may or may not even be software. So <laughs> my guess is there are legal protections in there that if they wanted to, could potentially get them off the hook for replacing these boxes from a purely legal perspective. But if they don't do right by their customers, it'll be, it, I mean, I can say word will get around, but, you know, word's already out there about this. So everybody's watching to see what Barracuda does about this. And if what they did was say, well, sorry, pound sand, um, that would be, that would make matters a lot worse for them. They're going to take a big financial hit on this. There's no question about that. And they don't have a path that avoids downsides here, unfortunately. Um but, you know, we've seen companies come back from really big hits in the past. And my guess is that the old CUDA will still be swimming around uh, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, so far, what they've done, I think, is getting a lot of 
praise as far as their transparency and the the rapid response that they've made. So I think we'll continue to probably see them do the right thing over time. That's Barracuda, right? (laughs) I know. Am I going to get sued for that? Yes. My friend used to live next to a member of Heart. No way. A long time ago. Yeah. He's got a signed drum head from her. That is a fun fact, like mm-hmm. that you have to share, like every time someone's like, tell me something about you. Was he a magic <laughs> man, perhaps? <laughs> well, he was a kid at the time, but she oh. might have thought so. <laughs> My neighbors, they're not that cool. They gave us mulch. That's pretty nice. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> That's good. not nothing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm not sweating it either over here. But did they sign the mulch? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, as they take us on another tangent. Um this is a pretty this is a pretty interesting uh scenario uh for our hoodie rating. So, um let's start with Taylor this time. Uh after what you've heard, what how would you rate this on our hoodie scale? Yeah, this one, this is a, you know, there are weeks that, you know, we uh, have to really (laughs) dig hard to find interesting things or things with wide ranging impact. Um, This is not one of those weeks, I don't think. (laughs) Uh, That's a question. I was sitting here, I'm reading through the Manor Report, reading on the Barracuda side of things. Uh, You know, I'm going to put it, uh, let's just give it a flat out, like. There's no wrong answers. I know. Uh, we'll give just give a flat seven hoodies. We're just no no shenanigans. We're putting all seven of those hoodies on, and we're keeping ourselves. Perfect. How about you, Tim? Well, this time Taylor and I are in the same neighborhood, hoodie wise. Um, and for some reason, the uh, um, seven five was in my head. So I'm not going to make it seven point five hoodies. I'm going to make it seven point seven five hoodies. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and we're on the rack the, right next the, to each other, Tim. I know. Yeah, you got to think about what the part of the hoodie is that's not there for my seven five. And I think what I'm going to do is both sleeves are cut off. Basically, it's sort of like short sleeves. Ooh, the like Josh, t-shirt length. The Josh Brolin. I guess that is kind of yeah from Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, well, thank you, Tim, for for going over that with us i appreciate it yeah taylor's totally right i mean this this week was um maybe it might have been a record for how quickly we selected our articles i mean boom these are just right there in your face Mm -hmm. i mean that that makes the me creating an outline go faster when you pick them quicker (laughs) well we're here to make your life your life easier thank you that's why tay and i are here and you know what? That's a great lead into our next part. Like, let's make people's lives a little bit easier with some gold guidance and grievances. Like, let's take some of your knowledge and share that with the class of, you know, what you're finding to be helpful, uh, any advice you have or, or anything that's, you know, uh, irritating you. Spread it around week. like some good, healthy mulch. Maybe. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yes, we want your garden to grow. My rose bush has never looked better. We want your infosec <laughs> garden to grow. We want that to grow too. 
Yeah, I was thinking about how you said you've been around the block in InfoSec, and I'm like, I'm still walking up the street. <laughs> uh, that's how you get around the block. That is so true. Yeah, that's I, right. You, you got to start somewhere. Um, let's. Um, how about uh, since Tim, you just talked about your article, let's go back to to Tay Tay over here, and uh, yeah. you can tell us your gold guidance and grievances. So so many things. Gold, um, love the Pizza Hut lamp. Like that's, I think that's gold. Which you posted on Twitter. <laughs> for those who aren't familiar, <laughs> on t- uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter or Mastodon, you should. Um, and I got yeah. a pe- I got a Pizza yeah, Hut period. lamp. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Pizza Hut lamp. How did I miss that? I yeah. follow you on Mastodon, but <laughs> I I will say I have not been super active on mastodon well you can in the last week or so so well, yeah in the last week you know um i like i bought a pizza hut lamp it's vintage mm-hmm. 90s pizza hut lamp uh and i hadn't hung it up but now it's it is proudly hung up i didn't it needs to be rewired i probably won't do that um but i did put in a a they make light bulbs that have batteries in them. So there is a light bulb in it. it so it uh, essentially works. But yeah, Tete noticed. Oh, I'm I saw that. And it made now. me want to read 10 books and get a free pizza. Oh, so bad. That is, that is awesome. I wish they, you know, here's my grievance. I'm going to do it early. No, oh. this is, I'll have a real grievance in a second. But sure. these companies that have been around for a long time are always changing their logos and, yeah. and whatnot and you know what was wrong with the old pizza hut logo it was yeah. great well they brought it back That's, did they yeah, yeah. like well, i don't know is... i don't know if they realized like oh yeah like people like that but like for some reason in the 90s like we liked a serif font and now it's it is <laughs> yeah. san, we like a sans serif now Yeah, everything has gone sans serif and half of these logos look like they were you know they're supposed to be somebody writing with a magic marker yeah but yeah, the Pizza Hut lamp is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. Guidance. My guidance to the, the Pizza Hut is to bring back bring back the pizza parlor. You know? Bring back the arcade. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Grievances. Uh, you know, I still have an internal grievance about any... APT report where the IOCs are tough to get out, but props to the Mannion folks. That one is a really, you know, very easy to pull. That's not top Excellent. Very good. Yeah. No grievances against uh, anything Pizza Hut related. You know, I, I, don't, I don't even know if we have a pizza. I'm sure there's got to be one in Seattle somewhere. I don't know. Nowhere near me. Uh, I, I don't think I could find a pizza Hut. Yeah, as much as I like the lamp that you put up there, they're not a place that I actually go to for pizza. I think the last no. time I went to a Pizza Hut, I was in Three Rivers, Michigan, about eight years ago, and there weren't a whole lot of choices there. You know, I don't know if we have a lot of listeners in uh, southwestern Michigan, but so I'm not trying to diss anybody. But if you're there, open up a pizza shop. Yeah, <laughs> open up a New York style pizza shop. You're gonna please. crush it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we. So every time we get Pizza Hut, which isn't too often, um, but I, I, every time I'm like, tastes like childhood. <laughs> True. 
Yeah, I don't I don't really even need to eat the pizza per se. I just want to go in there. I want to I want to have the arcade machine in the corner. Um you know, I want to see all the slices come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just kind of have the vibe. Yep, go up there and stick your quarter up on the top rack of the machine there and take your place <laughs> in line. The last time I saw it A in person, we played What did we play? What is it? Pop, Pop shot? shot. Pop, Pop shot. shot. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. So when when this comes out, if if you're at Infosec EU next week, find me and we'll go find a Papa Shot uh, thing in London somewhere. <laughs> Anyone listening? <laughs> um, Tim, what what about you? What about your gold guidance and grievances? Yeah, let's dive in. Well, there were a lot of things to choose from, but my gold, uh, ten chocolate chip goodies to the EU for voting to ban AI in biometric surveillance. Um, I think that's a win for privacy. And in a time when we don't see a lot of wins for privacy from an electronic perspective. So go EU. Um, That's my gold. Guidance. Uh, So CISA put out a binding operational directive, 2302, Uh, on the 13th, so two days ago as of when we're recording this episode. And um, it's the title of it is Mitigating the Risk from Internet Exposed Management Interfaces. So, and this this is very related, you know, kind of to our stories today because you've got a lot of security appliances, firewalls, email filters, web filters, blah, 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 um, that are out there protecting networks. And People have to make configuration changes to those sometimes. And usually, you you know, you really want that to happen from inside the protected environment. But these devices do have the ability to have an exposed management interface on the Internet so that, you know, your IT person who needs to make a rule change to the firewall can do that from wherever they are by logging into that management interface. But and you think about something, a device that's sitting on the perimeter of a protected network, you really want to be extremely careful that only authorized people can get to that management interface. Uh, And so this binding directive from CISA says um, that you need to apply basically a a zero trust, which there already should be, but a zero trust type of approach toward um, either removing this interface entirely so that the only way to get to it is from inside the protected uh, network, um, or at least enforce some really strong access control to that interface. So don't just have an SSH port or a uh, HTTPS port or something like that sitting there open on the internet and hope that nobody guesses your passwords and stuff. I mean, we just saw a pre-auth RCE against an appliance. I mean, like that, CISA could not have wished for a better illustration of why this is important than this uh, Fortinet vulnerability that we were just talking about earlier. So my guidance is go read that and do the needful uh, if you are a manager, you know, if you are in charge of any of these um, kinds of devices. And my grievance is, oh, Killnet's stupid telegram message where they came on and said they're going to shut down the whole Western banking system. Um, For those who are less familiar, and I was not as familiar with this myself until 
I started reading around a bit a couple days ago. But, you know, that sounds kind of scary. Here are some Russian actors. We know that Russia has some some good hacking skills in its arsenal, and they're claiming they're going to leverage this uh, or levy this giant attack against the Western banking system. The the backstory here, though, is that Kelnet has made all kinds of outrageous boasts like this in the past that have not uh, come to pass. It's been posturing. And so, you know, it, it, could it be different this time? It could be. And if it turns out to be different, it's make no mistake, it's still a grievance. But anyway, just go do something better with your lives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your mama should have raised you better than that. <laughs> I know your mama raised you better than that. I'm yeah, sure. kill net. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, when you said uh, they were going to, you know, attack the Western banking system, like my mic's on mute, but I'm like, they better not. <laughs> <laughs> Who do they think they are? It, well, like, you know, speaking of moms, like my mom would be like, you know what? I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Let's have a letter writing campaign yeah. to Kilnet. I mean, like, just stop it. Dear, just stop it. Be dear, better. Yeah, dear Kilnet, I am extremely disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. That's I'd a- suggest a rebranding for them too. Yeah, yeah. get out of this whole. Be, yeah, become Kittennet. That's what the internet's for, anyway. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, this this has been a great episode with you both i I had a lot of fun talking with you both today i hope you did too um so we uh we will be back uh next week i think uh and then i think we'll just take a little time off um because the fourth of july week is actually that's quickly approaching so we'll probably take a week off but yeah um catch us again next week for another episode of breaking badness thank you so much for listening and thank you to tim and tay for your for your time today it was fun thanks for having me cheers everybody bye-bye that's about all we have for this week you can find us on twitter at domain tools all of the articles and iocs mentioned today will be included in our blog post which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.